afternoon, it's Dr. Charles Benz and this is Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. Every Wednesday we post a new podcast out there with some of the latest scientific development about how to improve your health with functional medicine and natural medicine. And uh, today we're going to be talking about exercise. Uh, we originally were going to talk about just sports, but I think sports boils down to exercise. And so we have a controversial title exercise can kill you and I think it's going to be interesting to learn how that can happen and to make it even more interesting today I'm bringing into the studio again my friend John Barson who's the researcher and editor of Total Health magazine and uh, John's an avid biker as I am and so we have a lot of biking stories and yeah. uh a lot of things that we have done right and wrong uh, as far as exercising goes. And so, John, I'm going to let you kick it off and tell me um, what were some of the terrible mistakes that you made along the years that got you to pay attention to your health a little bit more than you do. Well, uh, this show's not that long, <laughs> so I'll, I'll have to hit a couple of the high points or low points. Um, well, we'll do, I guess I guess two. When it comes to health and exercise, there are two things that were instrumental in in life changing for me. One was when I uh, cured my asthma with the help of my uh, naturopathic doctor, functional medicine doctor. Um, when my other my allopathic doctor was literally trying to kill me with steroids and asthma inhalers and had me on everything, and I was just overweight and and getting sicker and sicker. Um, so that was instrumental. That got me into health in a big way and, and eventually leading to Total Health Radio and everything else. So that was cool. Um, the second thing was uh, a few years later, about eight years later, um, I thought I was in the best shape of my life and uh, doing training for this ride from Kelowna to Vancouver. It's 240 miles over two mountains and two mountain ranges in 16 hours. So it's called the Ride to Survive because not everybody did. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but it was tough. You really had to train for it. And it was in doing that ride when I was introduced to heart rate variability technology where I tested myself on with an aging speed for testing cardiovascular elasticity. And it said that I was six years older than my calendar age. So I thought, well, wait, how can I be, that this system doesn't work. I contacted them and they said, no, you're, you're doing things wrong for your body type. You're training wrong. You're probably training wrong. You're eating all these other things. And so I got serious about that. And over the next, um, probably close to two years, I reversed my aging speed by 12 years. But the thing is when I called Mark in Seattle and told him that their system didn't work, he's, when I explained, he said, you know what? You're that guy in your sixties and this is where we're getting to the topic of the show. Uh, you're that guy in your 60s when you go out for a run one morning and you drop dead of a heart attack and everybody's just shocked. They're like, wow, he's in such great shape. He was like the healthiest guy I knew. Well, you know, I've, I, I came close to that myself, um, but uh, I did have a friend who was a marathon runner and uh, he owned a store in Sarasota and uh, one day I came into the store and the wife was there and I said, uh, where's, uh, where's Jim? Oh, Jim died two days ago. Uh, Jim went out for a run and he came back and uh, he got into the house and fell down and he hit his head on the coffee table and it didn't bleed. And he was 
you know, basically dead when he hit the when he hit the coffee table. And I thought, well, that sounds like a magnesium heart attack to me, where the heart just stops because it didn't have enough magnesium to pump, and therefore there were no sort of pumps left in the system to kind of have the blood kind of flow out of there. And I thought, isn't that isn't that brutal? Because it wasn't probably um, a year or two later that I was in New Jersey, and I was doing a talk to a, a CEO group, and one of them stood up and said, I, I have a question for you. He said, I exercise a couple hours every day. I had a really good diet, and I was just diagnosed with three arteries uh, coming into my heart that were, or, or, you know, the three, three of the four main arteries were blocked by 95% or more. Can you explain that to me? And fortunately, I knew how to explain it. And I said, yeah, I can tell you exactly how that happened. And how it happened was, um, when you exercise, your body needs more energy. And to make that energy, your body needs magnesium because magnesium is the mineral that transports the glucose and the oxygen into the mitochondria of your cell to make energy. If you don't have enough magnesium, you can't take that energy-making combination of oxygen and glucose into the cell, into the mitochondria to be used. So that means that that glucose continues to circulate in your body causing damage to your arteries because that glucose is a toxin and if it's not processed immediately as an energy tool then you end up doing irreparable damage and the other thing is that you didn't take enough vitamin c because if you had enough vitamin c in your body then vitamin c has an extra electron and uh, that extra electron would have allowed you to neutralize those free radicals that you were circulating in your body. So you had a deadly combination of not enough vitamin C to neutralize the free radicals because when you exercise, you're actually increasing your uh, metabolism by four or 500%. In other words, your, cell, your cells need that much more energy. And so, the oxygen burning process in your body is only about 95% efficient. So 5% of the oxygen was being converted into free radicals. But now you're gonna multiply that times four or 500 because of the exercise you're doing. And so you're increasing your free radical production by four or 500% and you don't have enough vitamin C in your body to actually neutralize that much free radicals. And he said, why didn't my doctor tell me that? <laughs> and that was like, that was like the, the, the moment of truth. And I said, well, you need to find a functional medicine doctor or you needed to have a functional medicine doctor before, but you definitely need to find one now because if you're on heart medication or you're gonna go for a bypass surgery, these are things you don't necessarily need to do because you can actually get that plaque out of your body with chelation therapy. And he just said, I, I don't understand why my doctor hasn't explained any of this to me. So those are. <laughs> well, I think on that point, you know, I often, when I'm reading um, articles and whatnot on fitness and exercise or new things, they often, there's often a disclaimer, almost always there's a disclaimer. Consult your doctor before starting this exercise program. Well, what's your, what's an allopathic doctor going to tell you? Oh, gee, I should increase your statin drugs. 
you got to go to a functional medicine doctor, somebody that understands the whole body. Well, and in, 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 in the case that I didn't tell you about with my own, <laughs> I've been I've been a, a uber exerciser since I was, you know, born practically. And so I, I was doing running and biking and, and swimming and weightlifting like a fanatic for years and years and years and years without the knowledge that I have now. And so I actually probably did enough damage to my circulatory system and to my heart that I ended up with arrhythmia. I probably had a little bit of a gen genetic predisposition to it because of my father who had a condition uh, of arrhythmia as well. And so I probably had, had a little bit of that to start with, but the exercise didn't help me at all. And it got me to the point where I was more prone to stroke and obviously more prone to heart attack because the left ventricle is, uh, in, in arrhythmia is just kind of spinning and, and clotting up your, your blood and then throwing it into the carotid artery where it gets a chance to go into your brain all clogged up. And so I had to do something about that. And eventually, uh, until I got on to this heart repair protocol that I ended up developing for myself, where I was adding, you know, like a thousand or 2000 milligrams of L-terrine every day, along with CoQ10 and a lot of other uh, healthy heart things like vitamin E. How about L-arginine? Yes, of course. I mean, that's going to get your nitric oxide up and that's going to be uh, very reparative. Uh, so I was taking all those things. It's taken me years because of my age to actually get the repairs done that I needed to get done. But I'm now back exercising the way that I used to exercise. But now I have all the protection that I didn't have before. I still have some arrhythmia, but I think my heart is strong enough that it can handle it. And so I've had a personal story about this the same way that you have. But it's these other stories from other people that really solidified a lot of this for me. And so magnesium and vitamin C are absolutely crucial uh, for any athlete. I mean, and if you need to verify that, you need to get a blood test and you need to get the RBC magnesium blood test and you need to get the vitamin C test. And this will tell you whether your body has enough. You can also get a coenzyme Q10 test. There's lots of tests that you can get that will validate whether your exercise is being tolerated correctly by your body. And that's when you know, most of the time, you're not going to get all the nutrients that you need to be at the optimal level with just diet. You're going to need some supplements and you're going to need some quality supplements because not all vitamin C is the same. Not all magnesium is the same. And so quality supplements will just make a big difference. I agree. In fact, uh I haven't told you this, but I ordered uh, the, the the greens that you have on your website. Right. I found them in Canada, so I ordered them, and uh, that's a great green product. I love it. Yeah, yeah. We should we should talk about them a bit more, John. Thanks for so much for mentioning them because a lot of people, when 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 I do my workshops, I say you should have seven to nine helpings of fruits and vegetables every day, and if that's going to be split, it should be seven vegetables and two fruits. <laughs> and because you don't want all the sugar, right? You don't right. want all the sugar. And so these, this green drink called Greens First, yeah, it's on my website. And um, one scoop of that gives you the equivalent of nine helpings of fruits and vegetables without the sugar. People notice a difference right away. I mean, 
I actually prescribed this in my workshop to a group of employees that was doing smoking cessation, all right? And we had gotten their insurance company to pay for a lot of the wellness education programs we were doing. And I guess the employer agreed to pay for these green first. So after a week of it being in, in their bodies, uh, they were trying to get it in there, uh, they would come to the workshops and they would say things like, it tastes like I'm licking my lawnmower. It's really bad. I said, well, put, put some apple or banana in there, you idiot. And, and so I then had to make a slide with my grandson on it, he, drinking a green drink. He was like six months old at the time, right? And the slide read, who supports Dr. Benz's green drink theory? And then on the bottom it said, his grandson, that's who. And so there was a big picture. I mean, I should have sent this to the Greens First people and try to get some discount. But anyway, <laughs> the, the, the bottom line was here he is with the green drink still in his bottle, sucking on the nipple with the green <laughs> drink, right? And, the, and the, bottle, the bottle is sitting right there. And they got a big joke out of it. And then we started to talk about how to make the the drink with more things in it okay more right. fruits more vegetables well and you know you got to make a healthy drink i i actually uh i i um grind my chia seeds and i add right. chia seeds to it because then i get 28 amino acids and i get some fiber and yeah we always say put some kale in there put some spinach in there Put a little bit of apple in there. Put a little blueberry in there. You want to take the fruit, whether it's the vegetables or the fruits, they're the highest in density. All right? You just don't want to throw stuff in there just to make it taste good. I mean, the idea that I told this group of smokers was you want it to be palatable. You don't want it to be like a milkshake. All right? If it tastes too good, then you have too much sugar in the darn thing. And so that was that kind of... And, I, what, what the amazing thing was, I had people not only say they had the, the cravings for their cigarettes be reduced, they were getting their diabetes reversed. They were getting their heart medication uh, reduced. They were getting all these side benefits, and the HR person was saying, this is like a miracle drug. <laughs> and so then I tried it with some other employers, and one of our sponsors is Paddock Pools. And I, I did the same thing with them. And uh, I, I gave them three choices. They have a vanilla, they have a chocolate, and they have a, a regular, which is the, uh, the green one. And, you know, everybody liked the, the uh, chocolate and the vanilla. You know, hardly anybody liked the green one. But that's okay. They, they're still getting the nutrients. He's, he's built his whole uh, wellness program on this drink and, and, you know, and the educational stuff that we provide. And he just got... The last, the, the, the last time he did uh, the evaluation of his health insurance, he got like a 70% increase. Then he got onto this program a couple years later now, this, his increase this year was 7%. And this is a guy that just was very determined that he was going to get a majority of his employees not only doing the blood test, they're doing the blood test, they're doing the AI platform, they're doing the greens first. Uh, I mean, he's really gone whole hog on this, but he's getting the benefits. And so, same thing, he's getting people to lose weight. If, if your body has all the nutrients that it needs, it doesn't have cravings for things that you don't need. And so this cuts down cravings dramatically. And that's gonna help everybody that needs to make sure their weight is managed, they have enough energy to do what they need to do, and they have enough nutrients 
to repair damaged cells and replace them with good, healthy cells. I mean, geez, we, we just did a great ad for greens first, didn't we? We did. <laughs> well, no, but I, I, I've tried so many different types of greens. I'm not doing this because it's on your website. I had never seen them before. And I thought, oh, that looks interesting. And also, I like the fact that uh, it had, uh, I think, like 20% more servings than the greens drink I, uh, that I was currently finishing. And uh, I thought, well, I got to try that. But here, I got a little, little thing about, a um, little anecdote here about my mom, uh, who I mentioned in, a, uh, in an earlier show, I think, that uh, she managed a health food store in Glasgow, Scotland in the 50s. She always told me that if it tastes too good, it's probably not good for you. So I always have always carried that in my mind, you know. So when I make my drinks and all that kind of stuff, and I'm, I, I, I'm like, I, I've never, I, I prefer no sugar, um, no vanilla, no chocolate, no nothing in, in anything that I'm eating. I just prefer it now. So thanks, Mom. Yeah, no, your body, your, your, your body can really get rid of most cravings within a couple of weeks. And, and, and this is one of the things that we preach uh, in, our, in our nutrition programs is that all these cravings are because your body is demanding something, whether it's wanting the alcohol or the salt or the sugar or the chocolate. I mean, when people crave chocolate, they're actually craving magnesium. And if you can get them to have an increase in their magnesium levels from the legumes and the green vegetables and some magnesium supplements, you'll actually find your cravings for the magnesium uh, and, and the chocolate goes down. And so you're getting the best source of the magnesium and, and you're not sort of putting too much chocolate with too much sugar and other things in it that, that shouldn't be there. And so this is really uh, advantageous. And so I think that people need to understand that there's cravings for a reason. And one of the main reasons is nutritional deficiencies. If your body is craving something, then that tells you that you have a deficiency and you need to address that deficiency with higher levels of nutrients. So the green drink does that. It's not a substitute. It's kind of like the nutritional pills, the supplements that we take. It's not a supplement for good food, but it is a food and it is a powder. And that's what I like about it. And then, you know, can I, can I recommend like, something else? Yeah, absolutely. Get an instant pot. Okay. My diet has changed so much for the better since I finally broke down a couple of years ago and I got an instant pot. And then I started doing things like, uh, you know, I just Google, you know, vegetarian recipes or, you know, stews or whatever. I, I'm not a vegetarian. Um, I try and eat as much vegetables as possible because if I don't, I feel guilty because of you. And, uh, so, uh, but with the Instant Pot, I, like I make my own beets. I used to buy the expensive uh, organic red beets at Costco, a little pack for like eight bucks. And uh, once I got the Instant Pot, I made, started making my, steaming my own beets and oh my gosh, they're so good. And then I pickle them in organic apple cider. And every time I give that to people to try, they're like, wow, where did, what is this? What's the recipe? <laughs> apple cider and steamed beets. And, uh, but the most importantly, I think, is my beans. I, I, I get all these mixed beans, kidney, black, whatever. I've got seven or eight different types of beans, and I just soak them. And boy, the, I just make fantastic uh, legume-based 
uh, vegetarian and sometimes meat stews. I just it, I eat better. I, I steam my kale. I uh, everything is just comes out of there tastier. Wow, this is good. We don't we don't have enough of this information on our program, so that's fantastic. Um, I I think sticking with the exercise and athletic theme, I want to I want to make sure we mention uh, why athletes are getting COVID. And yes. uh, this is really fascinating because um, it's one of those things that, again, is uh, an oxymoron. You know, these are some of the healthiest people in terms of their diet uh, in many cases. Uh, but uh, the ones I've had a couple, uh, one was an Olympic swimmer. The other one was a marathon runner, and they both had really good diets. And, and, and here's a couple of things that kind of impacted them. When you exercise, your body actually... Uh, seems to multiply the number of what they call ACE2 receptors. The ACE2 receptor is the receptor on the cell actually helps to process the amino acids and break them down into the nutrients that your body and your cells need. And so what happened with COVID-19 is it looked at these receptors and went, oh look, there's the best place for us to be because that's going to give us the best access to those cells. And so because you have more, athletes have more of these ACE2 receptors, and because they're more sensitive, that means they get attacked by this virus, sometimes more violently, more quickly, more seriously. And so some of the first cases that I had back in 2020 in March and April and May were athletes. And I thought, what the heck is going on? This, is, this had not been studied at all. This had been, not been known. And so that's when I started to realize what was happening with these ACE2 receptors. And I thought, okay, so I need to get onto this right away. And that's when I developed my long hauler protocol. And it was actually one of the things that uh, helped guide me when other athletes would come in and they would say the same thing, you know, why did I get COVID? You know, especially now we're getting ones that are vaccinated. And they're also getting it uh, and they're saying, why? And I'm saying, because you have more ACE2 receptors. And actually this mRNA vaccination is going into those receptors and the spike protein is now turning out to be a toxin. So now you got the virus as a toxin, you got the spike protein as a toxin. And so you're gonna have a really tough reaction. And so I've All had- right, Well, just, just for, the, for the listeners, sorry, for the listeners, just think of the ACE2 as a cellular doorway and the spike protein is the key to open it and in it goes yeah absolutely and that's the way all viruses work is with a lock and key approach yes and so they found the perfect lock and the first the perfect key and so my first long hauler uh, he waited because they always think well uh, i'm going to go over this because i don't really have colds and flus very much and so their immune systems are very strong in most cases. And so, uh, because he was already taking more magnesium and more C, he was taking all the right things, right, for an exerciser. But, you know, he got a heavy dose. He was at a family retreat in Vermont and some of his family members were there. And so for two or three days, he breathed this virus in for, from two or three other people before they actually got symptomatic. And so he got a heavy dose and then bingo, it got hit. And then he was in no, no, uh, nowhere land in Vermont where he couldn't get a lot of health services. 
And then he had to end up trying to find somebody to give him magnesium IVs and vitamin C IVs. And then I developed a protocol. He got on the protocol and, you know, he got off of it a little too soon when, once his symptoms stopped. And then within a week or two, he was back sick again. And that's when I learned about relapse, that with this virus, there's a strong relapse possibility because the viruses only hide in the body. They don't really get killed. And so this virus just said, okay, we'll wait until there's another opportunity. And the opportunity was that his immune system had already been challenged and he still wasn't strong. And then he started to exercise again. And as soon as you exercise, then your immune system says, oh, okay, you're going to divert energy over to the exercise. Then there's not enough over here for the immune system. I'll come in here because here's another opportunity for me. Bingo, he relapsed. So I say to these exercisers, the only thing you can do during your protocol that, that you have, that I've given you, is walk. And, and then after your symptoms go away, you need to stay on the protocol for at least six more weeks and gradually increase your amount of exercise, not jump right back into it again. And the reason that I know this first guy, this marathoner actually was fully recovered, his, his tests, his actually times on the different courses that he ran were better than they were before. So I know all his cells got repaired. That was, that was the best test that he could have had. Well, you're right about the, especially when you talk about uh, the long haulers, right? COVID long haulers, because uh, this virus, I mean, it gets into all your important organs, your lungs, your heart, your blood vessels, your kidneys, your liver, your gastrointestinal tract, your brain. It, it's, uh, it, it's not to be taken lightly. No, and it continues to do that damage, even, even though you're asymptomatic and you, and you get tested and you're negative. And people say to me, how can I be negative? I said, because this virus can find ways to get into parts of your body. If you have a virus in your eyes, even, it, you won't find it in a blood test. And if it's, in your, if it's in your spine, you won't find it in your blood test. And so this is one of the problems is they have a lot of misinformation out there. And so now I've got a 24 year old who's a competitive biker and you know, he doesn't eat very well at all. And this is, this is a classic case where he's got mitocardia and he's going to have a, a real problem. He has blood, he has heart palpitations and it's going to get worse before it gets better. And his allopathic doctor is going to give him a medication and it's not going to improve. Uh, it hasn't in my knowledge the last two years anyway, when they give him these medications and he's going to have to eventually get back to the point where he has to improve his nutrition. He has to increase his vitamin C and his magnesium. He has to be on probably a limited protocol because he doesn't have a lot of other symptoms, but you know, you've got to push this virus back. You need to have enough C and D and olive leaf extract and, and uh, olive oil. Uh, you've got to have enough things to push this virus back so that the repair process can actually happen. And so, He's a 24-year-old, and he's unfortunately got somebody in his family that, that was a doctor. And, uh, you know, they're going to look for the doctor's advice. And they don't learn this in medical school, John. And as a general rule, these allopathic doctors have very, very little knowledge about viruses. They just don't understand them. Well, they don't, you know, and it's not, I know we're talking about exercise and athletes and the fact that, because of the, the very nature of what they're doing, they're increasing their ACE2 receptors. But, um, you know, science also shows that uh, ACE2s are, 
uh, most likely uh, quite a bit higher in patients with hypertension, diabetes, and coronary heart disease. So there you go, right? Who are the, who are the, who are the people that suffer the worst? Well, sure. Yeah, if you have a comorbidity, then you know you've got this uh, sensitivity. But that's because your body is also looking for some solutions, and it's looking to get them through these cellular receptors. And so it's kind of like exercise does the same thing as the chronic diseases do. And and so um, the second patient that I had in 2020 was an Olympic swimmer. And, you know, he swam all the time. And I just said, you know, Rob, you got to take it easy on the swimming until you get yourselves back to being healthy. And then it just so happened that I had met him at a swimming pool conference where one of my sponsors, Paddock Pools, had uh, shown people about the vacuum extractor. And I said, you know, this is something that's serious because if you don't monitor your zinc levels, what happens with your uh, chlorine, if you have a chlorine pool as opposed to a salt pool, then that chlorine will eventually accumulate. Now, he has one pool uh, with one person in it. And so a lot of times this chlorine gas, it has to mix with other bodily fluids. And so, and, and that's when you get this dangerous gas. So more people in the pool is actually means you're more prone to have this chlorine gas be more toxic. And so I think him swimming by himself uh, in a pool was probably not a danger, but he could then measure his zinc levels because if you don't have enough zinc, then you're gonna decrease your, uh, your uptake of vitamin D3. If you decrease your uptake of vitamin D3, then you're gonna allow yourself to be vulnerable to different kinds of cancer. And so that was actually the presentation that I did at the National Cancer Conference or the National Pool Conference where he was there. And so he understood that very, very well and was able to compensate for it by getting the right tests and making sure that his diet and his supplement program kept him at optimal levels of both zinc, vitamin C, and vitamin D. And so that's what swimmers have to do. Swimmers have to do the same thing. If you don't have a vacuum extractor in your pool and you're swimming a couple hours every day to get your exercise, then you need to make sure you're getting tested for vitamin, uh, vitamin D, vitamin C, and zinc. Because if you're not, you're looking at the long process of eventually having cellular deterioration and maybe the development of cancer down the road. And that's just something that you can avoid if you just do these few simple things. And be aware too, if you're, as we mentioned in the last episode, if you're in an urban area, uh, be aware of the air quality. Oh, what a, what a, what a big, big message that is. The, the WHO study that came out today actually said there was not an urban area in the world that had healthy air levels. And so, you know, I don't know, uh, people maybe want to stay in the city and they can if they want to, but if you're going to be an exerciser and live in the city, you better be aware that you need to monitor your toxic levels. And so you need to have the 8-OHGD test because also urban areas are, they're, they're really prone to having high levels of plastics from the uh, car uh, tires. And so the more of, of the toxin from the, from the gas engines that combines with the plastics from the tires, which combines from, with the radiation that's needed from all the cell towers in an urban area that are needed to support all the, uh, all the devices that people have, and now they're needed for the, uh, the cars, the self-driving cars. 
I mean, you have to have a cell phone tower 5G every 500 meters in order to make those uh, self-driving tower uh, tower cars work. And so urban areas are, I don't know, I would never live in one again. I mean, I just, uh, uh, I, all I needed to do was go outside in the Lake uh, Ontario and look back and see the brown uh, uh, shield of pollution that was all around that city. And I said to myself, oh my God, this is gonna kill us. And so I not only got- Well, I actually moved to the city to get away from pollution. Uh, let me explain, let me explain. Okay, so uh, I was living in Chilliwack at the time, and Chilliwack is an hour east of Vancouver. It's in the Fraser Valley. And of course, Vancouver is the delta on the delta of the valley, so it's wide open. And then as you go further east into the valley, it, the mountains enclose the, the valley and so on. Like some days uh, from my house, I couldn't see the top of Mount Sham, which is a 7,000 foot mountain, only like 10 miles away. Wow. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see the mountain. And I was riding my bike. I was doing like serious riding, 100, 100 150 kilometer rides um, several times a week, uh, often by myself, but quite often in Pelotons training. And uh, I just thought, this is crazy. We're, we're killing ourselves out here. So I moved into Vancouver, into New Westminster, because all that smog in Vancouver was constantly being blown down into the valley. Yeah, it was moving from west to east. It's west to east. So I, I moved to the east and did, did started doing all my riding on the coast. It was huge difference, huge difference. I, in I think that's smart because, you know, you got that Pacific Ocean on the other side of you, like there are three mm -hmm. or four or 5,000 miles worth of ocean cleaning up that air. So I think, that's, I think that was a brilliant strategy. I told all my sons to move out of the central part of Toronto and move into the West End. And so my sons now live in with Brampton and Guelph, which are in the West End. And so, yes, okay, Detroit and, and Windsor are a couple hours down the road, but it's still going to be cleaner than it would have been if they lived right in the city of Toronto. And so uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll be okay. They're not sort of uh, over-exercisers, so I don't think it's going to be a big problem. Um, but I think for anybody who does, I know some people who do live in the city of Toronto, um, and you know, there's, there's different kind of health problems that they have. I keep trying to give them advice about, about how to make sure that you're monitoring yourself to make sure that you're not going to get, end up with this lung fibrosis, for instance, which, which you end up with all this scar tissue in your lungs because of all the damage that's being done from all this pollution trying to be processed through those lungs day in and day out. And so, you know, these are things that people really need to take, uh, take, in to, take to heart. And then I mentioned in our previous show about uh, the two athletes that I know that, that had uh, pre-diabetes. And again, this was because of the magnesium problem. They weren't, they weren't taking enough magnesium. And they, were, and they were sweating a lot and uh, using a lot of energy, and they just didn't have enough magnesium. And, and so then the next thing you know, the, the, the glucose kind of uh, started to accumulate in their bodies. Well, we know that there are tests that can be done, like the two or three that I would mention right off is the glycomark test. The glycomark test can find the cellular deterioration in your cells, because of the insulin receptors getting uh, declining over time, 
and from your pancreas not being able to produce enough insulin. And so it can find it five to seven years before the A1C test can see anything. So I would say to people, get the glycomark test because it's gonna give you this early indication of cellular deterioration. Then make sure you get the RBC magnesium test because it will also tell you whether your levels are high enough. I think the top of the range is six. You wanna make sure that your RBC magnesium levels are at least five or above. And so these are things that athletes really, really need to pay attention to, especially if they're gonna exercise in dangerous areas like swimming pools and like urban areas. You need to make sure what you're vulnerable to because I remember so many people telling me, well, I exercise and I have a good diet. Why did I have a heart attack? Why did I have diabetes? Why did I have cancer? And they just don't understand the connection and they're hoping and praying that their doctor will be able to fix them whenever the time comes. And this is naive. It's just extremely naive. It's just not a healthy way. People have to take responsibility for their health. I think that's the bottom line of what we're talking about today. You have to, you have to get your own tests. You have to find out which foods are, are, are really the most nutritious for your body uh, type and your situation. And then you have to eat according to your body, your situation, and you have to make sure you're monitoring that all the time. And you and I both know about the vitamin D3 test. I mean, if you're, if you're not doing that, then that's, that, that's crazy because almost all cancers will be determined on whether you have a healthy vitamin D3 level in your body of at least 60 to 90 nanograms per milliliter. So, you know, I, I think we've given some, some good ideas to people today. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to add to the equation? No, I think that's great. Uh, just to give people an idea, like I'm, I'm 6'2", 200 pounds, 205 pounds, and uh, I take on average 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 a day. Uh, if I'm feeling any kind of anything coming on, like, any, like just a bare stuff, I'd triple it to 15. And... Uh, I haven't had a cold last more than a day. Um, mind you, I, I had COVID, um, Omicron, and it, it was a two-day thing. Um, and yeah, uh, get the vitamin D3 test. That's the first test I tell people to take. Get it. You need it. You've got to yeah. know where your baseline is. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they want the, they want the simplest thing first. And uh, eventually, as we age, it's an interesting how quickly we add things what we need to do yeah and so that's been my experience i'm just trying to share my experience with others and i know you're you're in the same same situation and so i think we gave the athletes a little bit of time to a little bit of, of information to think about today and uh, again the dna methylation uh, is uh, the, the dna uh, test is a good test the dna repair and damage thing you've got to have the 8 ohgd test that's the or that's the urine test and that really measures how much DNA damage you've had in your cells. And that's another good one that we should add to that equation. So I'd like to thank our sponsors today. Uh, first one I'd like to sponsor, I'd like to thank is DHA Labs. DHA Labs has been in partnership with me for about four or five years now, developing tests for cancer prevention and diabetes and uh, heart disease and uh, immune function and general wellness. And uh, their goal is like mine. They wanna find these cellular changes five to 10 years before they actually happen. 
And so uh, a lot of their tests are geared in that direction. And we even have some new brain panels that are really good in that regard too. Um, another one is uh, Suncoast, SunTrust Financial Planning. SunTrust Financial Planning, they've been a kind of a friend and partner of mine for about 20 years now. Um, they've helped all their clients to understand why it's important to pay attention to your health because if you're only going to pay attention to your wealth uh, without health you have nothing and so uh, Mark Wolf understood this very early on and he's been promoting this with workshops and newsletters and other materials that we've been providing uh, they like our, our mini book health in your pocket uh, a lot of their a lot of the clients have that and so I, I think that uh, this is the smart way to invest and so uh, the Sun, Sun Trust Financial Planning is in Sarasota, but you can certainly consult with them anywhere in the country and they can help you to build your portfolio of wealth and also your knowledge of health. And another sponsor is Paddock Pools in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina. And Paddock Pools has that vacuum extractor that I talked about earlier where they get that chlorine gas out of the pool so that you can have a an oxygen-rich uh, swim so that you're not going to do any of this deterioration of your cells through um, degradation of zinc and uh, risk of having cancer. And so if you don't have one of these pools uh, with this vacuum extractor in it in your community, you should definitely look into it. And so you want to talk to Don Baker there, the CEO, and uh, just call up Paddock Pools and ask for Don Baker. Uh, I'm sure he'll be glad to hear from you and, and, and be glad to hear about a project in your area. And finally, MPB Health, uh, it's a medical cost sharing company. They're kind of different from insurance companies because insurance companies try to get you to pay for everything up front uh, just in case you get sick, whereas these medical cost sharing companies, they pay as, your, as the members become ill. And so it's incumbent on them to stay as healthy as they can. Everybody has a stake in it. And so that's why you end up with lower premiums, up to 30 to 50% lower than on uh, medical insurance. And they have a commitment to wellness. And so they do the AI platform, they do some of the testing that we recommend, and they definitely do the diet and other things that we recommend as well. So MPB Health, you can go online and get their 800 number and uh, look at some of the videos that they have and you might find that this is the best option for you and can reduce your healthcare costs considerably. So thanks to our sponsors, thanks to our listeners. We're really, really happy. We have listeners in uh, Czech Republic and Brazil and Canada and coast to coast in the United States. And so we're very, very happy that uh, when, you, when you feed back to us with emails and responses, we love it. And uh, we sometimes list those uh, in some of the advertisements and things that we do. So we're very happy to have your feedback. And if you have questions, then just reach out uh, and we'll, we'll be able to try to answer them as well as we can. Thanks to John Barson, an excellent host and guest. And uh, John, we'll see you on the next time. And thanks again for all you do for us.